Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast today. This is episode number 277, and our guest is Brad Carter from Altitude Outdoors. Brad is an experienced hunter from Wyoming who has the passion for high country mule deer, but in this episode, we talk about a sheep hunt that he had recently and really dive into the story of that hunt and honestly how things didn't go the way he planned, how it all ended up, and what lessons Brad learned along the way. This is no doubt a great episode, whether you hunt sheep or not, there's a lot to pull from this one. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, you can reach us directly if you have any questions, comments, or feedback by email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. If you're enjoying the show, it would help us tremendously if you can leave a review in your podcast app or share this episode with a friend. All right, let's go ahead and dive right into this conversation with Brad. Brad, welcome to the Hunt Backcountry podcast. How are you, man? Hey, good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Mark. Appreciate it. Oh, we're we're excited to chat. I know that you and Steve have known each other for quite a bit, and uh, I know we've exchanged some emails, but haven't met. And then, you know, we were catching up this fall, and I I knew you had a sheep tag and got to see some photos of the hunt. I was like, gosh, dang it, we're going to have to get on and hear some stories. So <laughs> not only about the sheep hunt, it's just overdue to uh, get you on the show. So we're looking forward to it. To kick things off, just uh, go ahead and give us, you know, the elevator pitch on who you are, what you're up to, and just kind of get listeners some context uh, to introduce yourself. Yeah, you bet. I uh, So I live in, in Afton, Wyoming, here on the very west side of the state. Um, and I, I grew up here, moved away for a few years, and, and moved back about six years ago. Um, I, I started a little gear shop here in town called Altitude Outdoors. Um, we were a sort of a content website before that, but we carry kind of just backcountry hunting gear and some archery equipment and, and a few other things like that. And we get to rub shoulders and meet a lot of people that come up, you know, into our area is pretty well known for its deer and deer and elk hunting. And so we get to meet a lot of people from all over the country that way. And it's, it's been, it's been fun. I do that part time. I run this shop and then I work for a little company here in, in town and keeps me, keeps me busy. I've got uh, four kids and that keeps me busy too. So <laughs> yeah, full-time job, side business, four kids, try and hit the mountains. That's, that's a, that's a handful for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> is yeah. um yeah. when you were in wyoming originally were you in the afton area or was that something you specifically kind of chose to settle in after you said you left the state for a bit and decided to come back no i grew up right here in star valley um okay. so my my dad's still here he lives about five miles from me and uh, my wife i met her down at uh, college at utah state university she's from logan utah mm. and um she always, she always said we're never moving back to Star Valley, but I, I finally got her talked into it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. As you said, you're in a, you're in a great location for some hunting opportunities. So I was curious if that was super intentional of like, oh, I want to move to this part of Wyoming or uh, what that's like. That's cool to hear you were raised there. I'm sure spent plenty of time yeah. in the mountains growing up with your dad and that, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he grew up in sort of, well, sort of over kind of close to you guys over in Kimberly, Idaho. 
just out at site of Twin Falls. Mm-hmm. So, you know, growing up, he, he'd hunted deer a lot in southeast Idaho. And I just I don't think there was a lot of elk back then. Um, and so when we when we moved here as a kid, he was kind of cutting his teeth in the elk hunting world. And I've got one older brother and we were just we just toddle along behind him in the hills. And, and uh, you know, I got hooked at an early age on elk hunting and and the you know and that just kind of spread from there that's cool well uh to transition man i know you know it's always interesting as we talk about your sheep hunts i'm always curious and kind of love to get background and context when you take a hunt like this that's special uh not only because the animal and the country that you're in but you know, it's something that most guys either have a lot of time or a lot of money invested into a sheep hunt. And for you being a Wyoming resident, I just want to like kind of hear the groundwork of what did, what would it look like for you to even have this opportunity in terms of getting the tag? Like how many years were you putting in? What is it like as a resident? Um, you know, were you focused on a specific area? Just kind of the, the groundwork for even getting this opportunity. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been putting in my whole life. I remember as it, going back to my father, you know, I think he drew a sheep tag in Wyoming in like, it was either 1989 or 1990. And I remember he, uh, he went on that hunt and when he came back, you know, he had this ram and all this cool stories and went down to the last day. And, and I think that's really kind of where I got the, the bug to want to do it someday. Um, you know, he had a full size mount done of it and it was always sitting in the house and you know we'd always ask him about that hunt and hear his stories and and so as soon as I was able to apply I started putting in for sheep points in Wyoming so you could back then it was 14 years old now it's 12 and then Wyoming has a preference point system so 75 percent of the tags are reserved for people with the most points so there's always a chance you can draw but it's not as likely until you kind of hit the top of the, the top of the pile. And so, you know, it's kind of, I just put in and I was putting in for the area that he hunted and I put in for that area for man, almost 20 years, I guess. Um, and so I've been watching, you know, I've been watching the point creep and trying to kind of predict when I might finally get into the preference pool and see my odds go way up. And the last couple of years, there's a unit that's a little closer to home and, and it, it had a, a die off and pneumonia die off, you know, I don't know, 25 years ago and kind of went downhill, but it's been coming back. And so, you know, look, you talk to friends and it seems like everyone in the, you know, there's somebody in the Valley here in our small community that draws a sheep tag or a couple of guys every year. And you get to kind of hear their stories and see their pictures and, and so I decided to switch over uh, to this closer unit. It's, you know, I could be in it in about an hour and a half, probably to the trailheads to start going in. And I thought, well, that sounds pretty good. And I've, you know, you got between kids and family and, and the shop and my uh, full-time job, you know, I thought being close would be nice. I can take shorter trips and weekend trips. And, and so I actually had a a friend, Ted Carlisle, who who I used to work with. Um, 
and he had two points more than me. And so we've been talking about drawing sheep tags for years and going back and forth on units. And, you know, I'd been, I'd been on a couple of hunts in, in the, the, the other prior area that I'd been putting in for. And we started talking to guys about this unit that was closer to us. And, and we decided together to, to put in for it. And I knew that he would draw for sure, but I didn't know if I would, you know, I was right on the edge of, of being in the preference pool. Last year, they pulled one tag out of my point pool. And so, you know, some people, it's, it, with cheap honey, it's kind of hard to predict that because people sit on the sidelines, it seems like for a bunch of years and then jump in when they have points. Um, they're just accrue points rather than, than apply. And when you look at the draw odds, it doesn't, from the state of Wyoming, it doesn't really show, you know, that information. It's just the people that actually apply for the tag. So, so I was, I didn't know what to expect this year, whether I'd get into the, you know, I knew my odds would be better than, than they had been for the last 20 years or 21 years. And so uh, the results came out and, and I was working, I usually I'm the first one on that thing, but, but uh, I was, I was I had a work meeting or something and I got a text from Ted and he goes, Hey, I drew, did you? And I, I'm like, Oh man, I got to jump on and check. So I jumped on there and, and I drew it too. So they drew half of my, half of the, the applicants in my point pool. And I was fortunate to be one that drew too. So we were, we were pretty wow. excited. You know, I think he'd been putting in for 25 or 24 years. And I think I was 20, three actually he was yeah he was 25 I was 23 so you know then there's obviously some some other things to think about when you got somebody that's that you're planning on hunting with that has the tag too because that's not something you come across that often is two tag holders on a sheep hunt so we we just you know I mean we were super excited that draw came out in the early summer I think maybe springtime. And so we had a, a few months before the snow came off that uh, unit, but you know, we were, we were pretty excited to go check it out and start doing some scouting. And but that's kind of the backstory, lots of years of applications and, and the anticipation, I guess. Yeah. Is that one of those things where, you know, as you mentioned over the years, you're watching point creep, you kind of have an idea of, well, I'm getting close to this becoming, you know, decent probabilities. How, how was it, you know, just even planning for that? Like, is this something where you're trying to get in that country even years prior um, where you're keeping an eye on sheep? Uh, maybe when you're scouting for deer, have you tried to jump on and maybe go on other sheep hunts with other guys just to kind of get that experience? Did you do anything like that? Yeah, I went on a few and, but this, this area, even though it's close to my house, I wasn't super, super familiar with it. I've been in it a few times and driven through it a lot and done other recreation in it. But I, it's not one of the core areas I typically hunt deer in or elk. But I, do, I mean, I know a lot of guys that do. And, and where I'd kind of been focused on this other unit and felt like I, you know, I'd been on some hunts in there. And I knew where the sheep were and it was just kind of, you know, it's a, it's a long drive from home. You've got to go up through Yellowstone park or around the other way. And it takes five or six hours to get there, even though it's in the state. And so, you know, kind of for a lot of years, I was just anticipating kind of replicating 
some of those other hunts I'd been on in there because we were we kind of hunt the same areas and there's typically a person from my community that draws that every year and, and goes into that area and kills a ram and it's just a consistent spot and so this you know as I only switched over to this other unit for about two years so I didn't really put a lot of boots on the ground it's I was familiar with it but I hadn't spent a ton of time sort of deep in the backcountry in that unit but I had uh, I had watched a lot of sheep on their winter range from that unit because you'd be you know you can drive up the highway an hour and a half sometimes I'd throw the kids in the car hey let's go look at some sheep uh, we could drive through Snake River Canyon here out of Alpine and there's often mountain goats in there. So we'd go on to win, little winter range, you know, uh, road trips, Sunday drives to go look at animals. So I was, I was fairly familiar with the unit, but, but like I said, not, uh, not really the heart of it. Right. That's cool. What about sheep hunting experience? Um, again, not necessarily in that unit, but had you had opportunities to maybe accompany somebody else on a tag or anything? Yeah, I've been on, uh, I think two other sheep hunts. So my, I talked to my mind, but dad sheep hunt when I was a little kid, he drew again in 2007. Uh, and so he and one of his, you know, sort of a family friend, uh, packed in on the horses and we went and did that hunt. And, you know, it was, it was really, that was sort of my first sheep hunting experience. Uh, really cool. I mean, it's, we do the high country deer hunting around here, but that sheep hunting is just kind of one step, you know, further upstream and sort of into that uh, little bit rougher country. You're way above timberline for the most part. And, you know, the logistics and planning and gear and all that just kind of seems to take one more jump. Um, but yeah, that hunt was, was phenomenal. We went up, we actually, he killed his ram the first day. And we saw between hunting his ram and then going in to pack it out the next day, I think we saw 113 rams Holy um, cow. or something, you know, it was just, it was crazy. You know, and there's every hunt has an adventure. We, I remember we went up there and we, there was another hunter from the, from our community up there. And he, he was up the hill camping on the mountain that we wanted to hunt. And we came up and kind of ran into them, you know, they were there first and, they had this nice ram down in this timber and he was trying to kind of hem and hon whether he wanted to kill it. And I think my dad was 54, 55 years old at that time. And we, we took the horses into base camp, but then we were hiking out of base camp and, and he was, he was worried about getting around in that country up there. And so while we were sitting there with, with these other guys, a, a ram came out above us about 150 yards and so we had this ram down below us that these guys were watching in this other ram. And my dad is referring to this or deferring to this other guy. And, uh, and the guy's like, well, I don't know what I want to do. And so both rams left. And so finally he decided he wanted to go after the one down in the trees. And this, uh, this other ram went way up high and bedded in this cliff band for about an hour. And then it worked its way through this saddle and out of sight and kind of up this big drainage and, so we hiked up there and peeked down into where we thought he'd gone. And we finally picked him up and he was bedded in these cliffs. We didn't know if we could get to him. So I climbed clear up to the top of the peak and walked over and looked down. And 
sort of look at the route between between where we would shoot from and where the sheep was bedded and felt like we could get him. And so I went back down and he made the shot. We went down to the sheep and took care of it. And then when we we're coming back out, my dad thought it'd be a good idea to, to go out a different way. Um, rather than coming back around that initial basin where we were to just drop down into this other drainage, which would lead out to the river and back to camp. And so I didn't think it was a good idea you know, look, looking down at that drainage, you know, we're way up on these peaks and we've got a couple thousand feet to the bottom of this drainage and there's a rim of cliffs that kind of runs up the opposite side and I can see it come around the head of the basin and back down towards us. And I thought, you know, if we, if we drop off this, even though we can't see it from where we are, I worry we're going to get cliffed out. And we did. But <laughs> and we did. And we did. Yeah, yeah, we did. He he just kind of took off and I looked at at uh Steve Hutala who was hunting with us and and we kind of both kind of looked at each other like, well, this is a bad idea, but if he's gonna go, I guess we'll go with him. And yeah. Uh so we did. And you know, I had the cape and horns on my back because I was the young guy and they, they like to put all the weight on the young guy. And uh we were scaling down waterfalls and all kinds of stuff we didn't get back to camp until three o'clock in the morning oh and my god i figured we'd done like 16 miles and i don't know like ten thousand in ele- and you know vertical that day so we, <laughs> we were pretty beat but you know that's you know how that is i'm sure you guys go through that same sort of thing you go through the the crappy stuff and the next day you're ready to go do it again yeah oh yeah and absolutely it, it makes the you know sort of the experience that more but that much more memorable and Mm -hmm. and so i mean i was really hooked on it we stayed in there for a few more days and and fished the river it was just phenomenal cutthroat fishery just kind of enjoyed you know we'd taken the week off and so we enjoyed a few more days in the back in the back country and yeah and then came out but that was that was really my first like deep dive into a sheep hunt to experience the whole thing from Glassium and trying to fill judge them to, you know, the harvest and pack out and all that stuff. So, I mean, I, I was, I, I mean, I've, I've loved hunting and, I've, but that really hooked me on experiencing that and saying, well, you know, someday I'd like to be mm-hmm. the trigger man on an experience like that. Yeah. Wow. Well, it sounds like for tagging out on opening day, you guys still made a heck of an adventure out of it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember turning to him cause this, this ram. So the first ram that he shot back in the, you know, late eighties or whenever that was, that it was a really, for Wyoming, a really a big ram. And the second ram he shot wasn't quite as big. And, you know, we always get kind of caught up in how big things are. And he, uh, you know, I looked at him and said, well, it's not as big as your other ram. And, and he said, yeah, I know, but he's like, I don't think I can do this for very many days, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was cool and got, got us all hooked on it. It's, I mean, I, a lot of guys, I think when they go sheep hunting, they, that's all they want to do. And yeah, I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say, you know, you said earlier that the sheep hunting is like a step above mule deer hunting, high country mule deer hunting specifically even which I know you have a lot of experience with, um, you know, you're no stranger to the backcountry, to above timberline work, to gear and all that stuff. 
what for you, if anything, going into this year, like once you knew you drew your tag, you're going on a sheep hunt. Was there anything training wise, gear wise, like when you talk about sheep hunting being, being this next step above maybe the hunts you had done in the past, like how did you prepare for that or take anything of your own preparation to the next level to kind of meet the match of this higher demand of the hunt? Does that make sense? Yeah, you bet. Um, well, I mean, we, uh, I think we all always are upgrading our gear and, uh, I felt like I was in a pretty good spot as far as, um, gear goes. I, this hunt was a little bit, it's, the archery hunt started the 15th of August and then the rifle hunt starts on the 1st of September and runs through the end of October. And so, you know, preparation wise, I, uh, I almost always do summer sort of scouting hikes and trips. And there's a little hill here just right out of town that I'll go after work or even sometimes after the kids are asleep and hike in the dark um, to try and kind of get in shape, get my pack on, put, you know, start out with 40 pounds and kind of work my way up. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, preparation for this hunt was kind of interesting. It's, just because I feel like there's a lot of pressure on these once in a lifetime sort of tags. And I mean, not Wyoming, it's not necessarily once in a lifetime, but you know, odds are you'll probably only draw once unless you get really lucky. And so, I mean, mentally, I feel like the, that preparation was probably more important than I, what I did physically or with my gear uh, was just kind of trying to get amped up for it. Try not to let kind of the pressure of it take over. Uh, to where we could have a good time. But yeah, we started scouting. You know, I, I flew over the unit um, back in like May or June. I was actually, we were, we were flying in a small plane for work somewhere and we, we flew over it just kind of on the, on the way. And I remember looking down, you know, I've been on Google Earth a bunch and talking to guys and I had all these pins where guys had killed sheep and where they'd seen sheep and where the access points were. And I remember it was it was it was June, like middle of June, and it was just blanketed in snow still, you know, and and I was kind of just I remember looking out the window of that airplane, just kind of trying to, you know, recognize peaks and stuff. And and uh, I thought well, it's, I can't get in there for old, for a little while longer yet. So we, uh, my, my buddy, Ted and I, we, we didn't make our first scouting trip until August 1st. And he, he'd, uh, never really done a lot of backpack hunting, which, so I guess as far as gear goes, I, I'm fortunate enough to have a, a couple of everything. It seems like I, I kind of hoard my gear and I, I don't sell it necessarily. I kind of like to have a backup uh, in case I have a failure or whatever uh, during the season, I can go grab the other one, another one out of storage, you know, whether I've like upgrade my tent, I'll keep my old one. And so with Ted, he didn't have any of the stuff. So I, I had I actually had a XO 5,500. I let him use and, a, um, you know, a tent and, and he, he came down to the shop and got a sleeping bag and a few things, but, it was, it was fun kind of going through that process with him, you know, where I'd been upgrading gear and using it for the, you know, the last few years myself a lot in the backcountry. He'd never done that. He's more of a horse hunter. 
And so I said, well, let's, let's go on a scouting trip here, throw this stuff in. And I think he was pretty skeptical that, uh, that he, that, that we could do that. And he's, he's 54 years old, but I mean, he can out hike me. So that wasn't an issue, but, you know, kind of getting that gear on his back. And I remember the first time we went in there, he said, man, he's like, he's like, this is, this is pretty amazing. It's like, I wish I would have found this stuff sooner. <laughs> um, That's cool. <laughs> so it was, you know, he, he really liked it. And, and I, you know, I said, well, let's go on a couple of hikes because we don't know where the water is. And, you know, water is a big limiting factor for horses and trails. And I said, let's go get familiar with some of this country. Just go light with packs on our backs. And, we, you know, we ended up only taking the horses in uh, one time, I think, in sort of a different area. So, hmm. you know, he, he really liked that. And I, I mean, that's my preferred style of hunting until you get something on the ground, at least is to, is to throw it on your back and you can stay mobile and you can move really well and, and uh, you know, cover country and you're not sort of tied to a specific like trail system or water source or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, we got up there that first day in August and there wasn't any water really. And so there was still some snow banks and, and we went in and we, we found some rams, uh, two really big rams in this one group. And once we found them, you know, those are kind of our first scouting trip. And, and it was, it was in an out of the way area that, that kind of the outfitters didn't hunt there, you know, there's some, a couple of outfitters in that unit that, that, uh, seemed to pick up most of the sheep hunts. And so I didn't, want to compete with them a ton either. And, and so we'd found these rams. We thought, well, this is our, these are our boys. Let's come in here and get them, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so that would have been uh, 15 days before the archery hunt started. And I remember on our way out, you know, we were kind of running low on water and there was a snow bank and we went and pulled some water out of it and, and started making our plan on how we were going to come up and, and try and kill those rams. But it was uh interesting what would kind of unfold over the next three months uh sort of seeing that you know that unit in uh all in sort of that area you know you go in the summer and you guys have done this but everything's lush and green and there's wildflowers and and it looks a lot different at the end of october yeah (laughs) (laughs) are you worried about um like rifled deer hunters and stuff getting into there and pushing the sheep around or was it yeah. kind of an area that, yeah. A little bit. Um, I was, I mean, that's an area. So as a Wyoming resident, you know, we can, I, I had a deer tag and an elk tag and a wolf tag and, you know, all these tags in my pocket. Mm-hmm. We, it's general for all that stuff up there in that sheep unit. And so I was worried about it, but I figured, well, the, the deer hunt doesn't open until the 15th of September. We'll be done by then. Right. I mean, every, every oh, sheep okay. I'd ever been gotcha. on, it was like less than three days. So yeah, I got you. Um, I thought, you know, we'll get in here we'll get this done. We'll, we'll be done out of here. We'll be, and we'll be deer hunting on the 15th somewhere else. Gotcha. How were you and Ted approaching? Uh, I don't believe you covered this earlier when you talked about you guys hunting together, but approaching shot opportunities, essentially. Um, what was the plan for, you know, you guys are going in together, hunting together, both have the tag, just the logistics of that partnership. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's something we talked about and I'd said, well, you know, Ted, let's start scouting together. If we find, 
like two big rams in different spots, then let's, we might have to split up on the opener or whatever. But when we found these two and in one group and we thought we could probably find them again, we, you know, the plan was we're going to double up on them. And the nice thing about Ted's just, that he's the greatest person I've ever met. You know, he's, he's like, he's the perfect hunting partner um, because he's super unselfish, just very, you know, willing to do whatever. And just, he's there for the experience. He's going to enjoy whatever happens. And, and so we just kind of went in and we were just kind of, kind of fly, you know, just kind of fly by the seat of our pants, I guess, as far as that goes. But either way, you know, regardless of whoever pulled the trigger, you know, it would have been just a cool experience for either one of us. And I think we both had that attitude going into it. You know, I've known Ted for a long time, so I, I knew what kind of person he was and knew that it would never be an issue. Um, and I try to be the same way. And so, you know, when, once we'd found those rams together, that was kind of our plan was, hey, let's find this band of rams again. And if we, hopefully we can find them bedded or somewhere and we can just double on these rams. And, and I was more interested, you know, I've been dreaming about it forever. And I'm, I was probably more uh, focused on the size of the ram than he was which you know, I learned a lot from him this year, but that's, uh, you know, he, he would, he would, he would have deferred to me. Had we found those Rams together, he would have told me to shoot the big one. You know, that, that's just the kind of guy he is. So, um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's always kind of a touchy subject with, with some hunters and it's, I think it's important to find a good hunting partner where you're on the same sort of on the same wavelength there and can defer to each other and, and enjoy success no matter who pulled the trigger on it. So you guys turn up those Rams. It's early August. You said the openers mid August. Did it, was it just that one trip you turned them up? Were you able to locate them again before opening day? Like how did things progress for you? So we only found them the one time and we decided to, we, we went into a few other areas in the unit. Um, but just kind of wanted to leave them alone. From, from some of my deer hunting experience, if I find bucks and I like to stay as far away as I can mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I'll try to try to put eyes on them maybe one more time, but I figured, you know, we've got this archery hunt. I don't know if we're going to be able to, because of the terrain, be able to get on rams. We can use it as sort of a, you know, sort of a glorified scouting trip with bows in our hands. And if, if the right opportunity presents itself, we can try and take advantage of it uh, but that was kind of our thinking hey let's let's leave those rams alone if we don't find something and some others that we want to go after we'll go back in there on the archery hunt um, because i thought we'd have it to ourselves and uh and 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 then we'll put our eyes on them again and you know sort of pattern them and, and this area that we went into it's it's, it, had, it was a great glassing vantage, so we could see across the drainage we were on. There was a big flat um, about four and a half miles away where I'd known a few other guys had killed rams. There was another ridge where I knew two guys he, in uh, the two years prior had killed rams on this ridge, and we could see it. And so, you know, we just went in on the 15th back into that same area around the, I guess we went out on the 14th of August to go in there and see if we could 
turn them up and pattern them and kind of figure out what was going on. And so we actually went in there and when we went on the scouting trip, we didn't, we didn't go all the way in. Um, you know, we were, it was just kind of a day trip in there that day. And we, we'd gone in and stayed back and had them, we glassed them up at about 2000 yards. And so for the archery hunt, we wanted to kind of get close enough, but not too close to bother them. And, and so interestingly, we, we found a, a spot to camp is in this little saddle is still about a mile and a half from where we'd seen those rams and so we went up there and we we're i don't know five and a half miles in and dump our packs and you know it, you dump your pack and then you it seems like you walk around a little bit to kind of get your balance so you're not falling on your face and and uh i went and peeked over the saddle so we set our packs down. I walked about 50 yards. I could see down into this other drainage. And there was 11 rams sitting there at 80 yards. And I, I, I think that these big rams, the seven that we'd seen on the 1st of August, were mixed in. You know, they picked up a few more and they were sitting there. And, of course, they saw me. And, and, and they, they, they kind of got up. And they didn't spook very hard, but they kind of walked around the hill. and and then came up over the top of it. And so I was kind of bummed to, to screw that up the night before, but I thought, well, it's also good to know here they are. We're in we're right. We're right in with them. Um, and I was just, you know, we were super excited about the hunt opening and kind of starting down that, you know, having a weapon in our hands and, and uh, starting to hunt. Yeah. When you say you found that camp spot and that saddle, was that something you, picked out prior um like e-scouting like oh here's a saddle it's a mile and a half from where we saw the rams this will be a good spot or was this something you you found as you were just hiking in towards that country no we i'd found it on google earth along with i mean it kind of had three or four different areas i thought if we can't camp in that saddle we'll pull back over under this other flat a lot of that country is kind of interesting uh because you got these steep peaks but then you have these flat plateaus kind of on top of them and then these big rocky basins that drop off to the side so it's it's kind of a grunt to get up into them but then once you're up there there's a lot of flat and so I didn't want to be up on top in the wind and the grass and so we were trying to find somewhere that wasn't on the flat that we could camp and so we, we ended up camping right in that saddle and then you know on successive trips after we bumped those rams I I was very leery to camp there anymore. And so we ended up camping back about a half mile further away um, after that, just so we wouldn't bother animals. Cause after kind of patterning the sheep and watching them a little bit, we realized that saddles a lot. They spent a lot more time in that area than we thought they did. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up, you know, moving our camps back a little bit. So were you able to relocate those guys on opening day? No. It, so we got up opening morning and went up on top, looked in there where they were, couldn't find them and went over. So we were kind of camped in that saddle. There was a, to the South of us, there was a big drainage. Um, and then to the uh, East of us was kind of a, a flat top of a mountain and then there was two big rocky basins that fell off 
to the, on the other side of them. And one of those is where we'd seen the Rams on, during the scouting trip. And then on the West side of that saddle, there was another flat, kind of a little bit of timber and then two big basins off that side too. And so we just, we just started kind of doing the same thing every day, trying to relocate those Rams. And so we'd, we jump up on those flats, we'd blast the basins, we'd move over, you know, we kind of had this like probably three or four mile loop that we were doing, trying to just cover this mountain that we were on and look into all these basins and, and try and pick these rams up. And we, we just couldn't, we couldn't do it. And so we were in there, I think for five days on uh, the opener of the archery hunt and I had one of my good buddies from Utah came up. He had a deer tag and he wanted to scout a little bit. So he came up and hunted with us. And he, you know, he and I came up about, we were kind of coming along this edge and this, this ram came about 10 feet away from us, just on the other side of these trees and, you know, kind of a younger ram. And so that was kind of a cool experience. And, and then, you know, we were glassing rams, not on our mountain, but, there was a group of 21 rams that were coming up about, you know, on that flat that was way across from us, about four and a half miles. There's 21 rams that were coming up and feeding on that every day. But it's just this big, wide open, you know, sort of just grassy meadow that's like six miles long and a mile wide. And so with archery tackle, I was like, I don't know if it's worth going over there because we're getting, you know, we got to drop down a couple thousand feet and come up another couple thousand. And then we're just going to be out in the middle of this prairie trying to sneak on these rams. And so we never did actually make a play on them during the archery hunt because we figured, well, you know, once the rifle hunt opens, you, you kind of got that in your back pocket that, you know, if, if they're still there in the rifle hunt, we'll go, we'll go after them. And so we made a couple of trips in there on the archery hunt and we could never turn those rams back up. So when we were seeing a lot of sheep, but those rams that were on our mountain, we couldn't turn up that big band and we couldn't find the mature ones. It was just like we were seeing using lambs and young rams. And that was kind of the story of the hunt for a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were just, we kind of just thought, well, we'll just keep putting the time in. They've got to be in here. We'll just keep putting the time in and yeah. uh, we just, Keep, you know, cover this country and look here and look here and look in places that we saw them before and have seen other sheep and they're, they've got to turn up. Mm. And that was a matter of a couple of weeks. Like, you know, it sounds like you're in it. Like you said, you just got to put the time in, but it just, it doesn't come together. You said, I think during the archery hunt. So you're talking a couple of weeks of really not relocating them. Yeah. So, I mean, we spent five days and then we went in, I think for two more, like three day trips. Um, and we just weren't, we were finding some good rams, you know, a long ways away, but we weren't finding the ones on our mountain, the, you know, kind of our boys that we'd scouted, we just couldn't turn them back up. And so, yeah, that kind of persisted through the archery hunt. And then the rifle hunt on September 1st, you know, we thought, well, you know, it's been a couple of trips and we haven't found them again, but we'll find them. And we got this early snowstorm. Uh, the day before the hunt opened. So we're hiking in there and we've got, it's, it's like, it's snowing on us. Uh, everything's all frozen up. 
And by the time we get into camp, there's probably three or four inches of snow. And so, you know, I was, I was kind of excited about it because hunting in the snow, there's some definite advantages to it. And it'd been really hot and dry. And so I thought, well, this will switch it up. Don't, you know, we're going to find these rams because now there's snow and the, the, it'll get them out of the trees or wherever they were and, uh, and we can find them. And it kind of did the opposite. So we got up that next morning, there was snow on the ground. We, we come up over the flat to the east of our camp, come over down looking into that basin where we'd seen them in the summer. And there's a little ram uh, up on top and there's fog and everything blowing in. I got some really cool pictures of that ram and, and he, he ended up kind of bailing off into a basin and, you know, so we get set up, put our glass up on our tripods. We start glassing and there's like nothing. I mean, we're glassing the flats over across. Can't find anything. The only sheep we can see is that one little ram that's right on the hill with us. And that's, Kind of, I mean, it's, it's just kind of the way it was for a long time, like mo multiple trips. We went on the archer hunt where we, we probably saw six or seven, you know, big mature rams and these groups of rams to where, and we were probably seeing 40 or 50 sheep a day down to 10, 12 sheep a day, um, often using lambs, maybe a small ram with them, you know, like a three-year-old or younger. And and I don't know, I don't know. I started, you know, we'd come out. I talked to like, there's some guides that, that guide in there and they had a couple of sheep hunters and I was talking to them and a couple of guys that have hunted that area a lot and hunted it before. And they're like, well, have you gone here and tried this? I'm like, yeah. Have, you know, have you looked here? Yep. <laughs> and you started kind of hearing from those other guides that they're not finding any sheep either. And so we went from kind of this like, oh man, we got these rams. No one's going to bug us. We're going to kill them to, you know, we can't find any mature rams and nobody's finding any. And, and it just turned into a grind, you know? So we were just going in, just trying to locate them, you know, and, mm -hmm. and tr looking in different areas and trying to figure it out. And, you know, it was really mentally, it was tough for me. Yeah. That's what's going to ask is like, where's your head at? Because you're talking, this isn't just like some random deer elk hunt that it's like, Oh, this, you know, it's been a bummer of a week. This is, you know, you waited for this for 20 plus years. You've put in multiple, multiple weeks now, you know, it sounds like you had a strong mindset and even we're hoping for the best with like the snow and all right, like this is when it's going to turn around and that doesn't happen. Like there's, it, it's easy to talk about this, you know, from the comfort of your home months later, but like in the moment, like that had to be playing head games with you. Oh yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, and there's, I don't know, we put pressure on ourselves. I mean, and it's, it's something that we've, I've been anticipating for decades, you know? And so when, and I'm pretty optimistic for the most part, um, you know, like, Oh, this is going to change. It's going to be good. You know, we'll come over this Ridge and they'll be there. And, but over, you know, once you do that 40 times and, and nothing happens, you start to lose a little bit of hope. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty tough mentally. Like it was nice. I've been on solo hunts where it was nice to have Ted there. You know, he's really grounded in just the experience and he just, you know, man, this is so cool. Look at this country. And, 
kind of, you know, it's awesome to have his perspective to kind of keep me in check. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was tough. It was just kind of, I just knew we'd have to grind it out. You know, I've done that on some other hunts before too, where you hope and expect things to go one way and they don't. Um, but this was probably one of the longest, you know, sort of grinds, uh, <laughs> that I had ever experienced. I mean, we, we hunted all through September. I think we did four different trips and spent, um, you know, probably 10, 10 days of the month on the mountain. And we, we didn't turn up a mature ram until the last day of September. And, uh, so we were kind of, we'd gone into some other areas and we came back into that area we were in very first and we jumped up on the ridge like we had been doing. And it was about 11 o'clock in the morning and we looked way down below us, like the very furthest little opening in the pine trees, 2000 feet below us and three miles away, there's five rams. And uh, one of them was a really nice ram, really heavy, groomed a little bit, but just a big mature ram. And so I looked at Ted and said, let's go get them, you know. But we're standing on this cliff face. So we got to go back a mile to loop around and get off the mountain. We're on to go down the ridge to, to get after him. And, and then he was starting a new job the next day. So we had to get out of there. So I said, let's just go grab camp because it's back behind us. And we'll, we'll take it down there because otherwise we're going to be coming clear up here in the night to get it. So we just ran back. Camp was on the way. We grabbed it, dove off this hill. We're getting clear down in there and we're going through the timber and there'd been a windstorm in early September that had knocked a bunch of trees down. So it was like getting through the timber was really tough. You'd have to, you're going, you know, 60 yards to go 10 yards forward. So we kind of got down in there and there's all these rock piles and, and we could, so the closest we could get to this meadow that we'd seen the sheep in was 600 yards. And, you know, we shot a bunch and I, Ted had actually purchased a new gun and I shot with him and, and I, I said, Hey, are you comfortable at this shot range? And he, he glassed the sheep. And I said, Ted, you, you kill this ram. I'll be, you know, I'm going to get on the glass and I'll back you up if you need me to. And so I got on the spotter. I gave him my trekking poles. I kind of tie them together into a shooting stick and we tried to build a platform for him. He felt really comfortable. And within about five minutes of sitting down, I start seeing, um, I start seeing sheep move around uh, in the trees over there. I can only see really like the top half of the meadow. And so I put this spotting scope on them and they're just small rams. And so the one comes out, I'm telling Ted, well, don't shoot that one. That one's kind of small. And another one comes out and they, they walk up through the meadow and over the top of the ridge out of sight. And we sit there for about 10 minutes and I'm like, we'll just, you know, let's stay on the gun. There was five rams. The three others have to be down in here somewhere. Just be ready for them. And so then the two rams came back over the hill and had another ram with them, but they were all, you know, young rams, like four years old and younger. And we're just 
they just kind of milled around and fed for pretty much the whole evening. And so I pulled out my phone because I'd taken some phone scope footage from the top when we'd seen those five and start looking at them. I'm like, well, these are, this is a different group of rams than those five. And they ended up coming out of the trees, walking across this rock pile, uh, which I didn't think any animals really walked across those kind of rock piles, but those sheep do. Uh, they walked up to about a hundred yards and winded us and then, then moved off. And so we had to bail out that night and, you know, on the way out, we came across this really nice buck and deer season was still open, but we kind of looked at each other and I was, we felt kind of tired and decided not to shoot it. And, <laughs> you know, it's one, one day of lost sheep hunting. If we kill a, kill a, but a deer probably. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. we let him go and hiked out and then, I went back in uh, by myself for about four days the next week. And I, I went right down into that same meadow and I tried to get in there a different way, but I, I was, I either had to kind of sit in the meadow or sit where we did. So I ended up sitting at the top of the meadow and I, I hunted that area for, for two days and didn't really find anything. By that time there was, there was some snow on the ground and as I was, I packed up my stuff and I was going to move up, uh, up in elevation and look over some other country. I, I came back to my camp and there was boot tracks coming by my camp and I hadn't seen anybody in there really all season, you know, not, not even any deer hunters. And so I'm like, well, this is kind of strange. I'd seen two, two horses earlier, but they, you know, they were a mile the other way and so I came up and, and it was a, a guide and a sheep hunter, another resident sheep hunter. And they, they'd spotted three rams uh, clear up in the top of the drainage in the snow. But when I got to them, and so I sat and talked to them for a while and we were just kind of sharing sort of the challenges that we'd been facing, you know, and they, they were just saying, man, we can't find anything. And, you know, he says, well, I know pretty much every other tag holder, except for one. And there's only been two sheep killed, you know, out of the 12. Uh, and now we're like a month and I mean, a month and a half into the rifle season almost. And so they were, you know, they were telling me all the country they covered. And I was telling them about the different Rams that we'd seen, just kind of sharing information. And, and, you know, we'd seen hunters on the opener of the rifle season up on that big flat where we'd seen those 21 Rams and that turns out that was him. Anyway, it was, you know, we just kind of sh- were sharing the same struggles. He was having trouble getting up any of his trails from his side because of the, the wind had blown the trees over them and they couldn't get through them on the horses. And anyway, so I, I left them. I went up underneath those rams that they had spotted. And there was one ram in that, in that group that was, this would have been the biggest ram uh, during the whole hunt that I would, you know, actually would have had an opportunity to shoot. And he, he was probably six years old. Um, and I had him at 350 yards and I was looking at him, you know, and I thought, well, I'm not going to shoot him. I still have three weeks left. Now, now there's snow. Here's some bigger rams than we'd been seeing. He had two other rams with him. And so I, was, I just thought, well, well, we'll keep hitting the hard and hopefully these, you know, this is a good sign that, we're seeing an older age class Rams and, and maybe, we, maybe these big boys are still around and we can find them. And so I, I kind of pulled out of there 
uh, went and hunted a little different area, glassed a bunch more country and went out for that trip. And so that was, I mean, that was just kind of the way it was going. And, mm-hmm. and we ended up uh, going back in there one more time and it was starting to fill up with using lambs uh, to where when I'd seen those rams that trip before, there was probably 10, 10 ewes in there. And then when we went back in there, there was 20, probably 25 ewes and lambs and, and then little yearling rams and stuff. And so it came down, we had one week left and we were just kind of covering some different country and decided to go back into that same area again and look at it just you know that I mean the rut would would I was hoping it was kind of starting and some of the young rams were starting to look a little bit interested in that and and we went back in there I think there was four days left went back into that same area again and there was like 30 ewes in there and there was two rams with them and they were you know five-year-old rams and, and so we, you know, Ted was, Ted was really leaning towards shooting the one. And I said, yeah, go for it if you want to. And so he was asking me, I said, well, at this point, you know, I mean, at this point, mentally, I was kind of, I was kind of feeling like, well, you know, maybe we're not going to kill sheep mm-hmm. because we got 20 days on the mountain here and we haven't, uh, you know, we haven't yet. So what's three or four more days going to do, you know? So I thought, well, I'm going to, I told him, I said, I'm going to hold out. I said, if you want to shoot that ram, do it. And we have three more days. And, and so he, he decided not to. And we jumped out of there and started covering a bunch of country driving and glassing. And because there's a lot of snow high and we were hoping they'd start pushing out of there. And, you know, the, the next day we saw like 75 sheep, but no rams over three years old. And wow. so, and then, you know, the next day we saw a bunch more, just no mature rams, just kind of story of the whole hunt. Yeah. And so it was down to the last day. It was the night before we got a hotel in Jackson and we were just trying to decide what to do. And, you know, I said, well, it's with our names on them there in that one drainage and maybe we ought to just go in there and, you know, cap this thing off last day. And, uh, we actually, when we'd seen those two rams, we did see two other rams. Um, one of them was probably a seven-year-old ram. He was came out on a ridge about 1,300 yards and then dove off the other side. It's just not something we could get on that day. You know, he was, there's three, three canyons between us and 18 inches of snow on the snowy sides. And so I thought, you know, there's a chance that, there could be another ram that's moved in on these ewes too. And so we got up that morning and we hiked in there to where all those ewes and rams were. There were the two rams and the 30 ewes. And we came over the ridge and they'd been holding way up high in the basin, but they'd moved down. And where we came over the ridge, we were kind of like a hundred yards from them, from the, from most of them. There was one ewe, she was like 10 feet away. And, and then they spooked and they, they went down into this drainage and there was only one ram with them. And so we, we had our guns and, you know, I'm like, well, this is, this is it. Let's kill that ram. And it, it turned out it was, it was one of the rams from, you know, three days prior when we were in there. 
And so Ted looked at me and said, you shoot it. And he's like, this is, he's like, you gave me that one, the other, you know, a few weeks ago, he's like, you haven't even been set up on a Ram. You shoot this Ram. And so, you know, it was 400 yard shot. He was down below and, and, uh, we made it, made it count and then decided to just sit there on the ridge for a little while because it was really cold down where that Ram was. I knew he'd be fine. And, uh, you know, I said, let's just sit here and just see if we can glass up another ram. You know, there's, there's two in here three days ago. And anyway, we sat up there for a few hours and didn't see any other sheep. And so we, we went down through that drainage, came up on the sheep. You know, it's just, it was really, I mean, it wasn't the size of sheep that I had wanted going into the hunt, but it was, uh, it was a fitting end to a grilling hunt, I guess is what I should say. It was, a, yeah. it was really cool, you know, like to go down there and Ted was with me and, you know, really I see that I might've pulled the trigger on it, but that's a shared Ram for us. And he's not a giant by any means, but it, he was fitting for the experience and, and, uh, you know, capped it off in really a way, you know, I've had some hunts that I've gone on and, and had regrets where I was like, I didn't put in enough effort typically is when I have regrets on those hunts. And with this hunt, I really don't feel like, you know, well, I should have done this or I should have done that. Um, and I feel like we put in a lot of time and put in a lot of effort and we stayed off the trigger like we wanted to. And, you know, kind of capping it off in that way was, it was, it was really cool, cool experience to come up on that sheep and, and uh, break him down, put him in the packs and, and pack him out. Yeah, man, that's wild. It's one of those <laughs> yeah. things where you look at, a you look at any animal, any, for me anyway, you know, if I look at a mound or a set of antlers or horns or something like that, like after the fact, it's always my mind's immediately going to the memories of that hunt. And, uh, you know, regardless of score for the sheep, you certainly had a lot <laughs> of memories, <laughs> you know, behind it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we kind of the cool thing, well, when we were, so when we shot the ram, they ran down through these ribbon cliffs and we, when we were, after I'd shot the ram and we were going down to recover him, you know, it was, it was a little sketchy in a couple spots. We're throwing our trekking poles off the cliff so we can use our hands to climb down. And so when we got down to the sheep, you know, I'm looking back, trying to figure out how we're going to get out of there. And the best way was to go down the drainage a half mile and then climb up this ridge and there wasn't any cliffs down there but what was cool is when we got to the bottom down in there we found a a deadhead ram down in there that was probably seven or eight years old which was cool you know to kind of find another another mountain in wyoming you can you can keep those so we loaded it on ted's pack and we packed out two rams (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome yeah that's cool man you you touched on it there but just like elaborate you mentioned to me it is we were exchanging some emails and stuff before the podcast i'll just kind of read a a little quote from you said sometimes i get a little hung up on hunting bigger animals and need to focus on experience being the trophy this hunt was phenomenal an incredible country shared with great people and we had some really cool run-ins with sheep deer wolves and met great people on the mountain like, I think that's a, you know, great summary and kind of a good reminder. And you touched on it there, but is that your biggest, I don't want to say your biggest takeaway, but like maybe call it the biggest 
I don't know, even say lesson learned, but just, you know, kind of change in mindset um, from this hunt and that whole long grueling experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that is the biggest lesson learned for me. And it's one that I probably needed to learn because I was kind of getting hung up on, well, oh, you know, I want to shoot this huge Ram and I've been putting in forever and all this, you know, sort of expectation and hold myself to a certain standard. And, you know, that's not what it's about. Um, so, you know, this, this hunt was just, it was, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was an amazing experience. It's everything you'd ever want from a hunt, I think. And that all comes in the experiences and the memories of it. You know, we, we spent, I was able to spend a ton of time with really good people. I had a few buddies come help on the hunt. We, we covered a ton of new country, which I love seeing new country and understanding sort of what animals are in there. You know, we had run-ins with big bucks and uh, in September, we, we actually, we got on a wolf, which was cool. And it was, it was the night before the wolf season opened and uh, this black wolf popped out about 150 yards away. It was digging in a gopher hole. Uh, And so I, I'd, I'd been, I'd heard wolves a lot. I'd never really seen them. And so that was cool. You know, we had run-ins with sheep where, you know, we were within 10 feet of rams and we had one day where, where we had ewes and lambs, they, we kind of came over this ridge and they, they were coming the other way and they came up there 40 yards away, about 18 of them just kind of circling around us for an hour and a half as we were glassing. And, you know, it's just, it's really cool that the second to the last day when we were covering country, we just, I mean, I'll bet we saw 300 elk that day. Um, some really nice bulls. You know, we even saw some bulls, some, you know, pretty nice six point one of the days that we could have shot and passed on, which, you know, there's a certain, a certain emotion. I think that kind of floods your mind when you pass on those animals and, and you have a lot of respect for them. And, and, you know, I mean, it was just, it was, it was a cool experience and, you know, I'm going to look for it. I'm going to mount that sheep up. And every time I look at him, I hope I can remember that, that experience, but also that lesson learned that, that that's what should be, kind of what we're after you know we sometimes we we call people that you know want to shoot big animals trophy hunters but i think that we should be hunting you know we should be trophy hunting for experiences instead of instead of inches of horn or antler on the top of an animal's head well that's a great way to cap it guys if you want to hear more from brad or get in touch with him check out the links in the show description below for altitude outdoors and once again, you can always contact us directly by email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe or follow button in your podcast app so that you receive future episodes automatically. And we'll talk to you soon.